0: Come on, go church. How you feel today? You feel good? Come on. How's this crowd doing? You doing all right? Spring break action. It's really great to see all of you today. It is an honor and a joy to be together. You know, I told the first gathering this and I wanna share this sentiment with with each of you today, whether you're in this room, online, Germantown. It's just a privilege to, to be your pastor. It's a joy to be your pastor. We never take for granted coming together on Sundays uh sundays come quick can i get an amen come on they haven't fast but it's always good to be together in person and so whether you're here for the very first time you've been visiting go church for a little bit or or this has been your church home we just love you we thank god for you and we're glad you're here today and so let me look at the cameras in the back in the room and greet everybody online as well including our germantown maryland campus family most of you know this, but this location is our broadcast location. So we live stream the message portion of our gathering to Germantown and then, of course, to online. And then next week, we launch Westside Atlanta Campus. Come on, so that's great. So can you put your hands together? Come on, make some noise for everybody watching online. Can you shout for Germantown? Here we go. I like that. As a matter of fact, let me give a little shout out to Germantown for a second here because last Sunday we had a power surge at this building And so all of our ability to go online and to live stream went down, completely down so our campus pastor in germantown pastor eric somasundrum jumped in last minute preached the message there to to share the gospel and i just i love the leaders here at go church i love the staff here at go church the pastors here at go church so i just want to brag on the team and and we're really blessed with a great pastoral staff so also let's pause to give honor to the brave men and women that serve in the military all of those courageous first responders we do this every sunday before we get into the message this is a heartfelt moment of appreciation you all continue to sacrifice and give of yourself to make sure that we are well taken care of so if you have served if you are serving if you're currently working on the front lines may this a moment of applause and appreciation be heartfelt and a lot of encouragement to you so if you can shout if you can whistle if you can clap come on let's do it right here here we go come on good You, you probably know this, but uh, for those of you that are in the Christian faith, today is Palm Sunday. So what this recognizes is the beginning of Holy Week. So today, thousands of years ago, Jesus made his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And then this week we celebrate Holy Week, which ends on Easter weekend with the, the crucifixion on the cross at Calvary, and then ultimately the resurrection of Jesus from the grave. And so we celebrate Palm Sunday today, and next Sunday we'll gather together for Easter here at Go Church. And you've been hearing about the different gathering times for a number of weeks now, but let me just highlight a couple of things. At this campus, we've got an Easter sunrise gathering at 715. Truth be told, I think, it's, I think all the tickets are gone, but you can jump online kind of last minute. There were only 15 tickets when I announced this to the first gathering, but my father-in-law, we call him the bishop, he's preaching that. Then 9 and 11, 9 and 11, so a 15-minute later start time than what you're used to in this particular gathering. Uh, Germantown is at 10, and then again, we mentioned this, but we launched the West Side next Sunday, which is great. We're very excited about that. I love it. And then we've also told you that, you know, you can help us to invite. So we've got some... uh, car decals that go on your window. It's cool, we've been seeing these all around town, which is really great. Thank you for driving well in this season. God bless you as you drive safely and represent Go Church. Well, we also have these Easter invite cards, still have plenty of these for you to take today. And uh, I'm encouraging you to do that. Now you're on social media like I am. So you see all of the, the other wonderful churches that are posting videos, inviting people from the community to come to their church on Easter Sunday. We've got a video that's going out this week that'll do the same thing. The best type of advertisement though is word of mouth, right? So you know people in your neighborhood, in your family, in your workplace that are a part of your children or grandchildren's extracurricular activities that this is more, you know my heart, this is more than church attendance, by the way. This is people that they just need hope and Jesus is the answer. And so of all the Sundays of the year, they they have a great chance of saying yes to your invitation on Easter Sunday. So this, going, this place is gonna be electric. It's gonna be a great day. Worship is always fantastic. We're gonna preach the Bible. We're gonna give people the hope of Jesus. But we want this place, this has been my prayer. I want this room packed with God's presence, God's power and God's people. Can you give me an amen to that, all right? So I need you to invite. So take some of these uh, invite cards, pass them to friends and family and grab you a, a, a car decal, put it on the back windshield of your car, drive around town this week. And here's what I wanna do, I wanna pray for the message today, but I also wanna pray for your invitation, the people that you've been inviting, um, that they would say yes to that invitation. I've got two people specifically that I've been inviting for the last three weeks or so, and can I just tell you this? I got a maybe, I got a maybe. So I responded, so you're telling me there's a chance, come on somebody. (laughs) So so some of you got a maybes with family or friends. I got a maybe. And I'm praying that that maybe turns to a yes. So I'm gonna pray for those that you're inviting and pray for this message today. I always covet your prayers. Uh, today is gonna be a, uh, it's a, a good message. But it's a hard message, some hard truth. So I need you to get ready, make sure there's no distraction for you. You, you position yourself in, a, in a, a receptive posture to receive the word today. Um, So let's take 10 seconds. I've been doing this for the last couple of months here. Let's take 10 seconds. Let's just refocus our focus, reset our thinking. You know, worship was powerful today. Uh, Just being with people is great, but I wanna make sure that you hear from the Lord. So can you just close your eyes for a moment here and let's take 10 seconds, kind of a moment of silence. You invite the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart. I'll wait a moment here and then I'll pray for you as you pray for me, okay? Let's take 10 seconds. Here we go. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you Jesus for this day The Bible says this is the day that you have made So we'll be glad and rejoice in it I thank you for this moment Um, And I need your touch on my life I need to be anointed by you I don't care to impress anybody And it's not my heart to be famous by any means Uh, And I don't really want Go Church to be famous I just want you to be famous And your church to be famous But I, I do desire Strength from the Holy Spirit. Um, I want the cross of Jesus to go before me. I don't want to be seen. I want you to be seen, Lord. And I mean that with all sincerity. You've put this word in my heart. I've, I've fasted over it. I've prayed over it. I've, I've rehearsed over it. I, I believe it's a right now word. So just allow this word. And I thank you that your word never returns void. I rebuke the enemy who would try to steal this word. And I pray that this word would would be like a seed that was sown into the hearts and minds of those listening. And I thank you for that. And Lord, we've got work to do today. That work is to lift you up. You tell us if if I, Jesus, be lifted up, you'll draw the people to you. So I don't want to just skip past today and look at Easter Sunday. I want you to meet us here today. But with great anticipation of next Sunday, I pray for every invitation that's being made. I pray that the no's would go to maybes and the maybes would go to yeses. And Lord, for that individual, that single person, that married couple, that family, that coworker, that neighbor, that relative, whoever it is, God, that's being invited. And it's maybe not even to go church, but they're being invited to, uh, you know, a church. God, let them go. Uh, let them go. Fill up all the churches in our community to overflowing and, and let there be historical numbers of salvations and rededications next week. And I thank you for that. And so today we just honor you, we love you. This is a privilege, what a privilege to stand on this platform to preach the truth of God's word and I take authority in the name of Jesus, the name above all names, I rebuke the enemy, I remind Satan that he's got no power, he's got no position, he's got no authority, he's got no place. As a matter of fact, devil, the only place you belong is under our feet. Come on, somebody say amen. And I stand up here humble, Asking you, Jesus, for your word to go forth. In your precious name we pray. And everybody said, Amen and Amen. All right, of all the applause we've done, can we give Jesus the highest praise? Come on. Come on, you can do better than that. Come on, church. Good. All right, let me encourage you to to take notes today. Uh, Listen, we're going to go through a lot of Bible today. Hope that's okay. You're at church. We preach the Bible, we're going to cover a lot of scripture locations today, and so I want you to write these down. There's a message note card in a seat near you, or if you're using your smartphone, uh, turn that on airplane mode so you're not distracted. Take out a journal. Let's write down some thoughts today. I told you last Sunday we had a power surge in this building. Listen, when you got as much Holy Ghost as we do, we can't help but there be a power surge. Come on, somebody. So unfortunately though, the message wasn't able to be uh, recorded, video recorded. The audio is available. So if you wanna go back and listen, if you missed last Sunday, you can go back and listen, but you can't see this cuteness. Come on, you can't see all that. But you can go back and listen online. What I wanna do real quick, and I promise you, give me a few minutes and I'll do this. Let me recap week number one, high level here, so that if you're in church today, you weren't here last Sunday, or you're tuning in online today because we weren't able to live stream last Sunday, We're kind of all on the same page with the series. So this series, long story short, is a collection of five sermons, and we're looking at at the entire Bible in five weeks, which means we can't do that through a microscope. We have to look at Scripture through a telescope. So we're going to pick five major stories, five major events in the Bible, and unpack those over the next, you know, now four Sundays, five Sundays in total. I'll show you all five of those here, tell you all five of those in a moment. I laid the foundation of this series by giving you a little bit of a a better understanding of Scripture here. And so we're talking about the Bible, of course, long story short. And so whenever you think of the Bible, immediately many of us think about the Bible being a rule book. Do's and don'ts, rights and wrongs, values, ethics, morals, Christian morals. And yeah, it is all of that, but it's not just that. The Bible is a story, and it really is truly... It's the story of, of God. And even more so, it's the story of God's love for us. How many of you know that God loves you? I hope you know that. God really loves you. And when you see the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, um, it, it's a compendium of 66 books, right? If you're reading the King James Version of Scripture, there's uh, 173,180 something words in the King James Version. Of Scripture. And uh, this Bible from Genesis to Revelation is just, it's powerful. The, check this out. The Bible is not only the best-selling book of all time, which even if you're not a person of faith or you're new to the faith and you're unsure about Scripture, I mean, if, if there's a best-selling book of all time like the Bible, you should, you should probably read it just because it's the number one book of all time. And then I always find this somewhat, you know, comical and a little irony But it's the most stolen book of all time. Go ahead and steal you a Bible. Come on, somebody. (laughs) While you're stealing things, grab you a Bible on the way out. Come on. And so, again, because it's the most read and the most stolen, like just, just pick up the Bible 66 books, 40 authors. These were fishermen, they were farmers, they were prophets, they were poets, they were priests, they were kings. Written uh, on three continents, Asia, Africa, and Europe, three languages, Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek, and over a span of 1,500 years, uh, which is 15 centuries, the Bible was written. And so what's so profound to me is that when you read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, it reads as one continuous story, one continuous story. And the reason that it's able to do that with as many books, as many authors, different continents, different languages, except different time periods, is because at the end of the day, the Bible is written by one author, and that is God. And so I told you this last week, but the same God, the same Spirit, who inspired those writers to write the Scripture is the same God who inspires us as we read the Bible. And listen, I, I say this a lot, but you think you're reading the Bible, but when you do, the Bible is actually reading you. And there's, this is more than a book, it is a holy book, that word holy means set apart, it's spiritual, it's supernatural, it's alive, it's active, come on, and there's power in it. So I, I really want you to read it. So this long story short series, we're looking at five major events in the Bible over five, five weeks. Last Sunday we talked about, about creation. Today we'll talk about the fall. Next Sunday being Easter Sunday, we'll talk about Jesus and his resurrection. The following Sunday we'll talk about the church, which is the bride of Christ, And then we'll end this series talking about the second coming of Jesus. How many of you know that Jesus is coming back? Come on. So, all of the prophecies in the Bible have been fulfilled, but one, and that is the inevitable return of Jesus. And uh, we better get ready because Jesus is coming. So, last Sunday we talked about creation. And of the 173,000 words in the Bible, last Sunday we covered four four words let there be light. And I told you that light is the basis of everything. Light is the foundation for everything. And I shared with you that when God said, let there be light, that's different than when you and I say, let there be light. So you and I, when we speak, we communicate. When God speaks, he creates. It's the difference of phonics and physics. So you're hearing me now with inflection of voice and speech and dynamic and language and verbiage come on somebody knowing the dictionary up here you're just hearing communication but when God speaks he creates that's physics so when God said let there be light he began he began to create and so out of the creation story which there's a lot in there I shared with you two absolute truths about God from creation the first one was God is bigger than big the theological word there is transcendence which which means beyond human uh, experience, beyond human understanding. It's moving from the finite to infinite. God is a big God, but he's not just a big God, but he's also closer than close. And that word there, that theological word there is the word eminence, which means nearness, proximity, closeness. So your Bible says that this big God that created the heavens and the earth, that that raised every mountain and coursed every valley is just as close as the mention of his name. That this God that tells the earth to rotate on its axis, right, tells the sun when to shine and the moon when to glow, that God sticks closer than a brother. And that he knows, not only does he know every hair on your head, but he's got them numbered, y'all, come on. He is a big God, and he is a close God. So that was last Sunday. Today we're talking out of Genesis chapter 3, and we're looking at the fall. So you have the creation in Genesis 1, and then you have the fall of mankind with Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 3. We'll unpack Genesis chapter 3 here in a moment, but let's go back for a second to day 6 of creation, because you've got to know where man came from. So the Bible says in Genesis 1:26 this is the sixth day of creation, that God said, let us make man in our image. Let us make man in our image. And so there he created Adam, and from the rib of Adam, he made woman, which is Eve. And it just got me thinking, why would God make man before woman? Now you may have your own reasons, but here's my thought as to why God would create man first and then woman second. ladies, I want you to listen. Because it's always good to have a rough draft before you make a masterpiece. Come on. I'm here all day. I'm trying to get brownie points, ladies. Come on. <laughs> I got another joke, but I've got the ladies on my side, so I'm going to stick with this first joke here, you know? Yeah, you get a little rough draft before you get your masterpiece. So on the sixth day, God created Adam, and from his rib, he made, he made Eve, and every man ought to thank God for whoa, man. Come on now. Thank you, Jesus, for women to keep us in line and keep us in order. You know, and then you get into Genesis chapter number two here. Watch. He makes Adam and Eve, and then the Lord God took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, and he said, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. All of this is paradise. All of this is perfect. And I'm giving you, mankind, dominion over the earth and i'm giving you access to any tree in the garden and then the lord says this except one tree stay away from one tree there's a tree in the middle of the garden it's uh, the tree of knowledge of good and evil and i want you to stay away from that tree because if you eat from it you will certainly die and isn't it interesting that God gives us free will? Let's talk about you and I for a moment. God gives you and I free will. As a matter of fact, God, the Bible said, and you just read it, that God made mankind. The Bible didn't say that God made machines. Machines have no feeling or emotion or thought or ability to create. Machines just do what machines do. But humans have expression and emotion and free will. And God says to Adam and Eve, look, you get the whole garden here. You can have anything you want except for the one tree. And isn't it just like us in our free will that we always focus on what we don't have instead of appreciating what we do have? Come on, help me preach today a little bit. Uh, let me explain it to you like this. It's our human nature to always think about the people that don't like us instead of appreciating the people that actually love us. We'll let one person ruin our whole day when we got a tribe of people that are for us. It's amazing to me that you and I will complain about all the things we don't have in life instead of pausing to saying, you know what, God, thank you for all the things I do have in this life. And so God says, you get, you get access to all of it, but their inability to control their free will caused them to fall. Now we're in Genesis chapter 3, seven verses here. The serpent, this is Satan, a snake. The serpent was more shrewd or the shrewdest of all of the wild animals that the Lord God had made. Stay in verse number 1. One day Satan asked the woman, did, did God really say? Did God really say that you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Now you can already see the deceptive wording of the enemy here and the woman says no of course we can eat you know fruit from any of the trees in the garden she said this in verse number three she says it's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat and here's why God said that I can't eat from it or even touch it because if I do then I'm going to die and, and Satan says you're not you're not going to die he says, God knows, watch this. God knows that if you eat of that tree, then your eyes are going to be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will become just like God, and you'll know both good and evil. And the woman, verse 6 says, the woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful, and its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom that it would give her. And so she took some of the fruit and she ate it, and then she gave some to her husband. Who was with her and, and he ate it too. And at that very moment, verse 7, final verse here in Genesis 3, at that moment their eyes were open. They suddenly felt shame because of their nakedness. And so they sewed fig leaves together and they covered themselves. And that account there in Genesis chapter 3 is known as the fall. And ladies and gentlemen, that day is the worst day in the history of humanity. And here's why. Because everything that you and I have ever experienced negatively since the fall has been connected back to Adam and Eve's disobedience. Because they disobeyed, sin entered the world, and now you and I continue to feel the consequences of their decision. We feel death entered the world, sin entered the world, And now all of the bad that happens in your life, in your day, in my life, in my day is because of the fall. Every discouragement, every disappointment, every difficulty, every danger, every depression, every disease, all of it. The other week, and this may not have made news in where you're watching from or in Germantown, although I did see this on on CNN's Twitter so, you may have read this, but just the other day in Grantville, Georgia, just a few miles up the road from here, there's a gun range, and after hours, somebody walked in and killed three people. And you know what? I, I get it. There's a, a political conversation around gun control and, and all of that, but it's sin, it's evil, it's, it's, it's Satan. And everything that you and I have ever experienced, we got. One of our staff guys, Nelson, who runs the facilities at this campus, his beautiful wife, Sandra, of 41 years, died on Friday morning from pancreatic cancer. So when we process death and difficulty, we have all of these emotions, but where does it come from? It comes from the fall hall. Now, it's easy for you and I to blame, you know, our current actions based off of Adam and Eve, but listen to me, you know right from wrong. You know good from evil. You can't point the finger at everybody else. We are dealing with the consequences of their, their decision, but you have to deal with the consequences of your decision. Not all storms are spiritual storms. Some storms are spiritual and they come suddenly and it might be uh, an attack from the enemy or, you know, uh, a test from God. But there are just some self-inflicted stupid storms. That's good preaching. You ought to preach today. I think I will. Thank you so much. It ain't nobody's fault but your fault. Come on, somebody. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And we find ourselves in the mess that we're in because of the decisions that we make to give in to the temptation of sin. At the end of the day, the enemy wants you to fall. John 10.10 says it like this, man. And I I use this verse all the time in my sermons, and I I do it because I want you to get it. The mission of the enemy is revealed in John 10:10. 10, 10. I have come, the enemy says, to still kill and destroy. That's it. The primary objective of the enemy is to see you fall. He wants you to fall. He wants your family to fall. He wants your purpose to fall. He wants your calling to fall. He wants your life to fall. He wants you dead. But thanks be to God that the second half of John ten ten, Jesus equally reveals his mission at a greater way. And Jesus says, I know that the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy, but I, Jesus, have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Come on and give Jesus some praise. Well, I feel like preaching today. Come on, church. Now, I think it's important for you to understand the, the sequence of events that the enemy used, or let me say it this way, the, the, the technique or the, the tactics that the enemy used to ultimately deceive Eve because the way that he processed that with her is the same way that he does with me and you. He ain't changed a bit. He's only got one game plan. And here it is. And you'll you'll see all of these in that moment of the great fall. It comes with this. Satan disguised himself. He comes in like a snake. Now, I wasn't there, obviously, but just a couple things about snakes. There ain't no snakes at Go Church. Come on, somebody. I don't care what the rumors are. Come on, somebody. We Pentecostal. We ain't dumb. Can I get an amen? And secondly, when your boy sees a snake, I'm out. I got great faith but I'm gone come on but he disguises himself he comes as a snake and let me, this isn't on the stream but I want, I want you to hear this and this is exactly what sin does sin always disguises itself now there are some ways that you can know okay I can easily identify that that is a sin but a lot of times the enemy knows your weaknesses He's not greater than God. He's not more powerful than God, right? But he knows your areas of weaknesses, and so he'll disguise his temptation in a way to get you to fall. That's his plan, to see you fall. So so you, you you have to be alert and of sober mind because the enemy prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. That's the Bible. So the enemy is always trying to disguise his sin. And listen to me, sin is always sneaky, Sin is always subtle. And for some of us listening, whether you're in this room, online, Germantown, we've got some stuff in our lives that have just kind of snuck in there. They've disguised themselves and we don't even realize that they are a sin. You can identify or define sin as this. Sin is anything that separates you from God. Then Satan began to doubt God's word. Did God really say now, you don't have to raise your hand. I'll raise my hand. The enemy has done that to me before. Did God really say? And I could give you unlimited, you know, kind of examples of this, but you, you may have heard it play out in your life like this. Did God say that nothing can really separate you from his love? Why then does it feel like when you pray, there's never a response? Did God really say that, he would never leave you or forsake you. Did God really say that you should honor your mother and father? Did God really, that's Jesus calling. Come on, Lord, call us. Did God really say that you shouldn't steal or kill? or Did God really say that you should have a church home to be a part of a local body? You don't need the church. That's a big conversation the enemy is having today, isn't it? Did God really say that you should use your gifts and talents to serve the kingdom of God? Did God really say that you got to give your money? And all of a sudden, these seeds of doubt begin to fill our heart and our mind, and then the enemy will deny the word of God. You won't die. There are no consequences. Live your own life. Do your own thing. Be your own God. And all of a sudden, now we fall into this trap of deception. And this is what happened to Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve were deceived. Actually, the Bible says in the New Testament that that Adam was not deceived, that it was Eve who was deceived. Adam knew exactly what was happening, and he chose to participate anyway. And I think sin is sin. Can I get an amen? Amen. But I think some people, they sin because they're deceived and they didn't even realize that they were walking into a trap. Some people, though, they wake up with a premeditation to sin. That is dangerous. It is dangerous. Yeah. And we end up with this deception. And now watch this. If there was no Genesis chapter 3, you wouldn't even need a Bible. If, if Genesis chapter 3 never happened, you wouldn't need a Bible and you wouldn't need a Savior because from Genesis chapter three all the way to Revelation chapter 22, the very last chapter and the last book of the Bible, the whole story of God, God's love story is all about the rest of the Bible. It's all about God and, and the enemy. It's all about sin versus righteousness. It's all about life and death. And it's all pointing us back to the need of a savior that we can't save ourselves, that we can't rescue ourselves and watch this. And we've been facing the consequences of the fall in Genesis chapter 3 ever since. The Bible says that when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. And Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone. For everyone sinned. So watch this. When God, Go back to week one. Go back to the creation story. When God speaks, God creates. And that's what God did. God created God created order, God created confidence, God created community and connection, God created life, but in Genesis chapter 3, sin created chaos and sin created shame and sin created a disconnect and ultimately sin created death. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. This is rhetorical. You don't have to raise your hand, okay? I just want you to process this conversation today. And I'm going to give you some things to walk home with and and even respond in the moment here towards the, the, the ending of this message. Think about this question. Is there any area of your life where there's chaos? Where there's shame? Where there's a disconnect? Or where there's death? if in your heart of hearts and in your mind you are saying yes, even if your head is nodding back and forth, you have to know that that is because of sin. God has never lied to you. And Satan has never told you the truth. The Bible says that Satan is the father of lies. Everything that the enemy says is a lie. Satan has never told you one truth, and God has never told you one lie. Everything that God says is true. Everything the enemy says is false and inaccurate. So if you've got chaos in your marriage, if you've got shame in your life, if you feel disconnected in some capacity, or if you feel like, man, everything around me is dying, that is because of sin. Sin creates those things. Now, next Sunday, we'll talk about Jesus and the resurrection but I got to give you some things that'll help you today, some steps to overcoming sin today. Because Jesus is alive. Can you say amen? Come on. You don't have to wait till Easter. I told you this a couple Sundays ago. You don't have to wait till Easter to experience Easter. You can experience Easter today. And Jesus helps us to overcome sin. Let me give you three things here to help us overcome the sin that is in this world. The first one is this: you need to confess your sin. Let me say it to you this way. You need to name that thing. God God created this perfect world. Sin entered, and now the world was broken. And listen to me, that's what sin does. Sin breaks things. It always breaks things. So the reason that you and I feel broken at times is because the sin in our life, and you need to confess it It always amazes me whenever I read uh, the story, the creation story, and then Genesis 3 with the fall, how when Adam and Eve, when they disobeyed God, sin entered the world, they became full of shame, they sowed fig leaves, they covered themselves because they realized that they were naked. Then they heard God, you can finish reading this on your own time, but then they heard God walking in the garden on the cool of the day, and they decided to hide behind a bush as if God isn't omnipresent. As if God, who just created the, the whole world in six days, doesn't know that they're hiding behind a bush that he created. Now this isn't in the Bible. So I'm gonna take it completely out of context. But there's a part of me that thinks that when God was walking in the garden, already knew, knowing where Adam and Eve were hiding, he thought to himself, idiots. Come on, somebody, really? It just picks up the bush. I see you. And what are you wearing? That is hideous. You can't hide from God. Listen, God sees all. God knows all. There is no hiding your sin. Now, you can hide it from your family. And you can try to fool them. And listen, I've I've been fooled before. People have put on a front To make me think that they're something and then come to find out that's not really who they are but you can't fool god god already knows so your hidden sin your secret sin it is still sin so you got to confess it not because god needs to hear it but you need to give it a name to call it to identify it and bring it to its knees i could stand up here and give you this laundry list but I don't want to do that. But there are a few things that I think we're messing around with today that you need to confess. You need to confess. Some of us have an addiction to alcohol or drugs. Some have an addiction to pornography, the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh. Confess it. Some some of you are flirting with somebody that's not your spouse texting, social media. I thought about this this morning. It's April the 10th, so that means taxes are due in a few days. And some of you are going to cheat on your taxes. For what? For a few extra hundred dollars? You still can't fill up your gas tank. That's funny, I don't care who you are. (laughs) The other day, we met some friends at uh, the Atlanta Zoo and... uh, you know, it was like the actual zoo. We didn't just go into Atlanta where people act like animals. We went into the zoo where there were real animals. And then afterwards, we decided to go to Pont City Market in, in, in kind of downtown Atlanta. And so we, we pull in, uh, drive down to the, the, the lower level, LL level of the parking deck. It was painted green, so we were in the green section of the LL parking deck at Pond City Market. And when I parked, when I parked our vehicle which by the way, we drive a minivan. There ain't no shame in the minivan game. Can I get an amen from somebody? Come on. So anyway, we parked the van and I look up and there was a sign that said, you know, you can use the app to pay for your parking. So I told Kim, I was like, you know what? We're meeting friends here. We'll, We'll just, we'll do it later on. So just let's just run in, we'll come back out. So we were there four or five hours. And I felt like, you know, I mean, we were there a while and we ate dinner there. And then we got some macaroons there. Can I get an amen from somebody? Then I got a five-daughters donut from there. Come on now. It's it's hungry time. It's lunchtime. Then I got a coffee, and then we decided to leave. We get back in the van, and I had recognized on our walk down that there's no gate agent. There's no army thing. Like, you can just leave. So I got in the car. It's like, let's just roll, baby. Like, we out. And I'm not exaggerating this. You can think of what you want. I'm not a perfect man, but I didn't want to pay. I didn't think I needed to pay. I thought, man, probably nobody else is paying. Why would I pay? You know, and I'm like, it's the government anyway. <laughs> Trying to control me. You don't tell me where I can park. I'll pay taxes. Come on, somebody. So I, you know, I put that thing in reverse. And my kids are in the car. I pull back. God is my witness. I heard the Holy Spirit speak to my heart and say this. Really? Of all the things I've blessed you with, three dollars. You are cheap. Oh no, you didn't. I will hide behind a bush right now. <laughs> so I told him, I was like, you know what? Pay for the parking. I, I mean, listen, sin is sneaky, man. And whatever it is in your life, you need to confess the sin. Again, not because God needs to hear it. You need to hear it. Now, listen to me. Everybody lean in for a second. Hear me out. Confession will be the hardest thing you ever do. The hardest thing you ever do. It's going to require some, depending on what you're confessing, intense counseling, therapy, pastoral care, prayer, but you need to confess some things. There have been times in our marriage that I've had to say to Kimberly, there's some stuff going on here. I just, want, I just want you to know about. But when you confess it, now you also have accountability because you put that in, you brought it from darkness into light. And is this making sense to anybody today? Let me give you some verses here because I promise you a lot of Bible. Proverbs twenty-eight thirteen: Whoever conceals their sin, whoever covers up their transgressions, they will not prosper I I, Listen, I don't know the blessing or the curse of the $3 $3 parking ticket. I don't don't know. But I do know this, that trying to cheat on something so silly, God's not going to bless me. If I can't, I don't know why I'm so, I paid for it, Lord. Why am I so convicted of this? I paid for it. I got the receipt to prove it. If you can't be faithful in the little things... You wonder why you're in financial crisis all the time. Maybe it's because you're cheating for a couple hundred bucks on your taxes, man. If if you try to hide that thing, God can't bless that. You literally handcuff God's hands. But he who confesses and forsakes the sin, what do they find? How many of you need mercy? That's me. I need mercy. Uh, The psalmist said it like this. Uh, Then I acknowledged my sin to you. I didn't try to cover up my iniquity. I didn't try to sew fig leaves together and get behind a bush. No, I owned it. I just, I owned it. And if there was anybody that knew about sin, it would be the psalmist David. And yet God still determined him to be a man after his own heart. He's like, I'm not trying to cover this up. I, I will confess all of my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. One John one nine and James five sixteen. I love these two verses here around the discipline of confession. If we confess our sins to God, then He is both faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us and purify us from all of our unrighteousness. James five sixteen. Therefore, confess your sins one to another. Pray for each other so that you might be healed. So in one John one nine, this is what we learn about confession that if we confess our sins to God, we're forgiven. In James 5, 16, this is what we learned about confession, that if we confess to each other, we get healed. God wants you forgiven and God wants you whole. Come on, say amen to that. As a matter of fact, let's pause and say amen, come on. God wants you forgiven and God wants you whole. And the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. The reason so often that our prayers lack power and lack effectiveness is because of unconfessed sin. The second step to overcoming your sin here is now you have to repent. Yes. Repentance is connected to confession, but it's different because in repentance, that's more than just feeling sorry. It's more than just feeling guilt or shame. Repentance is confessing your sin and then realizing that there is a way that seems right into a man but the way that I'm going is going to lead me to death so I'm going to confess my sin and repent and the repentance means I'm going to turn my direction in 180 degrees. So instead of continuing to follow the path of death and destruction that sin is leading me on I'm going to repent of it and I'm going to to resist the devil And he will flee because I'm going in the opposite direction. So I've told our executive leadership team this before. I don't necessarily love how high this platform is because sometimes it makes me feel like, now listen to me, right? So whenever we build a bigger building, we'll lower this platform because I'm I'm never preaching down to you. I'm I'm preaching with you because this is bad grammar, but good preaching. But I are you. Some of you from Sonora, you're like, now I understand the whole message. <laughs> anyway, <that's, laughs> somebody in Kentucky, say it again. I are you? <laughs> I'm, not pre- I'm not preaching down to you, man. This is, this is my story. So many times, here's what we do. We come to church whenever it's convenient because we're busy, I love you, but come on, okay? So we come to church, they'll sing some songs. We may lift our hand, we may sing along. I'll, I'll come out, I'll preach, give you some Bible, you'll laugh a little, and then we'll, we'll, we'll raise our hand or we'll say a prayer, we'll confess some things, but then we don't repent. So then we leave this room and you walk right back into the ungodly lifestyle. You walk right back into the ungodly relationship. You walk right back into the habitual cycle of sin. Now, we're, we're, I wanna help you get out of that life. So I believe in programs that have different steps, but you only really need one step. And it's the step of turning, I'm about to preach this word today. You turn around and you walk the other direction. It's not about being holier than thou. It's not about being better than everybody else. It's recognizing that if I die in my sin, I will spend eternity separate from God. And I watch this world around us and people just, living in sin. Just living in sin. Listen to me, there's only one way you get into heaven. And that's to get your name written in the book of life it i don't care what anybody else says there's only one way to get into heaven by grace through faith you confess your sin you repent of your sin you accept jesus jesus no man cometh to the father but by me jesus jesus is the only way so you accept jesus in your heart and then your name is written in the book of life and one day every single one of us will stand before god this isn't a fear-based message this is a factual message you will stand before god and on that day of judgment you will be held accountable for every action word indeed and, and i am a billboard blinking telling you that there is danger ahead But you are alive today and you've got the opportunity to confess your sin, repent of your sin, and let Jesus change your life. Can I get 200 people that have experienced the saving power of a living Jesus that changed their life? Come on. Listen to me. you, You get questions all the time as a pastor How can a loving God send somebody to hell? God sends no one to hell. God made a way of escape through his son, Jesus. The only people that go to hell are the people that choose to go to hell. If anything, I would, I would argue with this. Why would God force you to spend eternity with him when you refuse to spend your earthly life with him? Confess, repent. I'm just gonna give you Bible for a couple minutes here. Watch. In Luke it says, I tell you, but unless you repent, you turn from your life, you will die. Peter said to them on the experience of the day of Pentecost, repent and be baptized. Now, baptism isn't what saves you. And you need to know that. You can get dunked more times than donuts. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Bapti- water baptism isn't what saves you. Repentance is an internal work. Baptism is an external expression. So once I repent, Confess my sins and repent. The very next step in my faith journey is water baptism. Why? Because now I'm telling the whole world about the internal work that Jesus did in my life and it provides and pr- uh, presents accountability. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Second Peter chapter 3, verse number nine. I love this verse. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness what is he talking about the second coming that Jesus is coming back he's not slow because he's busy or, or he's like oh you know what I forgot about sending Jesus again no he's waiting on you he's waiting on us watch he's patient not wishing that anyone would perish but that all would reach somebody say repentance repent, confess your sin, repent of your sin, and then watch this, and then you receive victory over it. You receive victory over it. I have come, Jesus says, that you might have life and have it to the full. He wants you to have a full life. The Bible says in John 8, 36, I believe, that whom the Son sets free is free indeed. He wants you to have victory over your sin. Your sin, whatever that thing is, it doesn't have to continue to be a stronghold. It doesn't have to continue to be an area of bondage in your life. It doesn't have to continue to be a generational curse over your family. As a matter of fact, in the authority of the name of Jesus, I rebuke generational curses right now. Every curse shall be broken in the mighty name of Jesus. Romans 8 says it this way, and I'm finishing. Watch. For if you live according to your human nature. and We all have that. We're all humans. So if you live according to the flesh, the desires of the flesh, you will die. I'm not laughing because it's funny, but... We don't know what we really want and we don't know what we really need to do. So when we're led by the flesh, we continue to make dumb decisions. But if you're led by the Spirit, the same Holy Spirit, on the day of creation, the the Ruach of God, that Spirit that was breathed into the nostrils of man, the same Spirit That raised Jesus from the dead. Come on, church. That spirit. The Bible says, greater is he on the inside of me than he that's in the world. So if you can live according to the spirit, then you put to death your sinful actions and you will live. So here's my prayer for you. It's what Paul told the church at Galatia. I say walk walk by the spirit. Just walk by the spirit. The enemy's always trying to figure out ways to tempt you and make you fall. Before any decision, just say, all right, Holy Spirit, tell me what to do. Lead me. And God will always lead you in the way of life. I don't ever want to lie to you, um, ever. So I don't want to say something that's half true, half true or untrue. Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24, I try to pray this prayer every day. I'm not batting a 1,000 like 750 come on somebody i try to pray psalm 139 verse 23 and 24 every single day likewise i always try to pray matthew chapter 6 verse 33 and i try to pray matthew 6:33 at 6 33 a.m every morning matthew 6:33 says but seek first the kingdom of god and his righteousness and everything else will be added to it so i kind of start my day with all right today i'm gonna to seek you first and then you'll just take care of everything else. And I try to pray Psalm 139 right after that prayer. And here it is, and I think this is the prayer that you need to adopt every day. All right, God, I'm just asking you to search me. Know my heart. This is such a powerful prayer. It's a dangerous prayer, though. Come on. Search me. Know my heart. Test me. Know my anxiety, my fears my concern, my worries, know all of it. See if there's any sin in my life. Reveal the offensive way and then by your spirit lead me in the way everlasting. I am far, far from perfect. But I'll tell you this, the closer I get to Jesus, the greater my convictions become. There was a time in my life I would have rolled out of that two-story parking garage without thinking twice. But when you pray every day, Lord, if there's anything in my life that's offensive to you, call that thing out. He'll do it. Here's the two closing questions. I'll pray for you. What did the Holy Spirit speak to your heart? What next step in your faith journey do you need to take? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Thank you, Jesus.